It's 12.09. This is Jeff Wagner. We start off today's show like we start off every show with three big things. Gru, who is producing the show today, I am having a good day. Okay, here, here's how it starts off. Now, are you at the point you are you're a healthy young man? H- have you started going for your annual physicals yet? Do you do that? No, not yet. Okay. Okay. Eric Bilstadt, are, are you, you do the annual physicals? You do. Okay. All right. All right. Now, what is the le- for men? Eric, you want to? You, you, okay. What is the least favorite aspect of the annual physical exam? Oh. You've got you've got three guesses, and there's only one. I mean, okay, right, right. We're, we're thinking the same right. thing. Right. It's here. it's the rectal examination, yes, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, I I, I go in eight thirty this morning. Okay. This is this is how I'm, this is how I'm getting ready to start off my day, right? And so and I, now the only defense is I'm sure this isn't how the doctor likes to start off his day either. But okay. So so I'm down there. It's it's eight thirty in the morning, and we're we're going through all the different skills and things like that. And and then we get to the point where that would normally happen. And my doctor says to me, "We don't do this anymore." He said we we don't. He said we we don't do these examinations anymore because. Eric, you're looking at me in a puzzled fashion. No, it, it, this, he said, we don't do them anymore. He said, because the new protocol, we've determined that we really, it doesn't tell us anything. Um, <laughs> what? He, that's what he said. He said, it doesn't tell us. He said, because, you know, we, we've got the colonoscopies and we've got this new test that they use. Yeah. And for, for prostate cancer, we, we use the, the PSA test, you know, the blood test. He said, what we fe- figured out is that these, you know, the, the chances of finding something through this digital exam it's just by digital i mean with your finger yep. it is nothing i mean it's just so we don't do them anymore we we don't so then i say well. <laughs> i say to him so doc that means we've been i'm a little more graphic than i'll be here we've been doing this for the last 30 years for nothing and he essentially says well that's one way to look at it oh, I guess. Man. oh no so they don't but okay so the, i mean the the bad news is again they've been doing this for 30 years or whatever 40 or 50 yes, years yes, however long yes. and you don't need to do it the good news is i didn't have to do it this morning <laughs> you know I, I did not have to do it this morning so i'm having a good day well i'll have to remember that the next time i go in absolutely i'm having a good day this however does lead in to big story number one because even though i'm having a good day because i I had my physical didn't have to go through this let me see how i can put this if you live in oak creek you have just had a shaft inserted so far in a certain part of your anatomy that your head is probably pointy. So you have had your own sort of digital exam. This story, I've been waiting all day to talk to you about it since it broke. Let us back up. Um, The city of Waukesha has been involved in, well, gosh, a, a fight. It seems like it's gone on for a decade, maybe even longer than that, to try to get water from Lake Michigan through a an, an accident of geography all right waukesha cannot draw water from lake michigan um without special approval despite the fact that waukesha is what you know 15 20 miles from lake michigan this has been hampering waukesha's growth it has also been endangering candidly um i, I think the safety of waukesha Residents, because Waukesha residents have been depending on, you know, their water has been coming from the, these ten groundwater wells, including seven wells that draw radium contaminated water from a deep sandstone aquifer. So for years and years and years, 
Waukesha has been trying to get Lake Michigan water. The city of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett and the crew, have been adamantly fighting Waukesha's efforts to get Lake Michigan water. And, they, and of course, I mean, part of it was they, uh, I, Tom Barrett has always been afraid. He's afraid of competition. He's afraid of the fact that if Waukesha has easier access to water, that might mean that you're going to get you know more people from Milwaukee that are going to be inclined to move to Waukesha. So they have been fighting it. It has been an ongoing battle. And you will remember this. We've talked about these water wars for at least the better part of the last 10 years. Milwaukee, together with a few other communities, has done everything it possibly can to try to block this. So into this debate, a number of years ago, comes Oak Creek. And um, Oak Creek decides we will cut a deal with Waukesha. We will make arrangements to sell them water. And if it were not for Oak Creek signing a letter of intent to supply lake water to Waukesha five years ago, this whole thing would have been dead. Waukesha would have had nowhere to go. They would have been just completely and totally out of luck. Even with that letter of intent in place, um, Milwaukee and Racine continue to fight Waukesha's efforts to try to get water. And you remember that this ultimately um, you know, went through the Department of Natural Resources, um, you, you had um, the, Wisconsin, the Southwestern Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission. You had the DNR that ended up getting involved in this. And all along the way, you know, Milwaukee fought them and fought them. Ultimately, the eight Great Lakes states in June 2016 imposed a water distribution area on Waukesha that excluded some parts of the community. And, and then they said, OK, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to allow this to happen. All right, so that's the backdrop of all this. But none of this happens without a letter of agreement in place between Oak Creek and, and Waukesha. Because if Milwaukee would have had its way years ago, that this whole thing would have been just absolutely killed. So now, now you get the deal. It is in place. Lots of time and effort. No infrastructure, but lots of time and effort spent on this. Yesterday, the city of Waukesha, and I'm appearing at at a Veterans Day event on Saturday with the mayor of the city of Waukesha, Sean Riley. The city of Waukesha, I don't know, how can we phrase this? Blindsided, backstabbed, you, you name it, but that's it, Oak Creek, by saying, Okay, you know, we have this memorandum of understanding. We've been proceeding under this idea that now that we've got approval that we're going to, you know, get the water from you. And in what was on the game of Survivor on TV, they call it a blindside. Again, you could call it backstabbing. You could call it a slimy maneuver, whatever. Waukesha says, oh, by the way, never mind. And without giving Oak Creek notice, the mayor of Waukesha shows up at Discovery World with Tom Barrett and they're drinking Lake Michigan water, and they're touting the idea that behind Walker, behind the backs of Oak Creek, they have cut a deal where now the water is going to be coming from Milwaukee. So <laughs> adding insult to injury, the mayor, I have the story in the paper here, the mayor of Waukesha says, well, you know, we, we really, uh, what do they have the phrase here? We really appreciate 
you know, Oak Creek, we, Oak Creek helping us out. We couldn't have done this without Oak Creek. I want to acknowledge and thank the city of Oak Creek for many years of cooperation and support. That's what Riley says. But at the same time, screw you. <laughs> you're, you're out of luck. Now, the flip side of this is because bringing water to Waukesha from Oak Creek requires longer pipelines and things like that, it, it's, it is at least initially cheaper you know, you save $30, $40 million um, in, in the initial startup, the infrastructure and things like that. So it would be more if you would have, if you would have continued to dance with the girl that you brung to the dance. At least initially, it would have cost Waukesha more money. So that's the idea. We're saving the taxpayers tens of millions of dollars up front by essentially screwing over Oak Creek. Thanks for letting this happen. But now we're going with the people who were fighting us all the time. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are two ways to look at this. One way is the mayor of Waukesha has a responsibility to his constituents to get the best deal possible. And if that means shafting Oak Creek to save money, then you shaft Oak Creek to save money. The flip side of that is that is there no integrity? Do memorandums of understanding, do agreements mean nothing? And bigger point, do you really want to get in bed with the city of Milwaukee? Um, what about down the line? What does this say? Does it say to anybody else dealing with the city of Waukesha that Waukesha cannot be trusted, that Waukesha won't follow memorandums of understanding, that Waukesha will backstab you every opportunity it gets? And what about getting in bed with the city of Milwaukee? Um, Tom Barrett or whoever the next mayor of the city is, uh, this deal might look good up front. But is it possible that four or five years from now, maybe the deal isn't going to look as great? But let's tee it up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I appreciate the need to be fiscally responsible. But you know what? Oak Creek, in my opinion, deserved a lot better than, hey, thank you. We used you. Because that's exactly what happened. We used you. We strung you along. You know, it came time to sign on the dotted line, and we decided, well, okay, um, we're going back to a person, we're going back to an entity that fought us for years. Huh. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1220. This is Jeff Wagner, and this is Big Thing Number 1. Twelve twenty-two, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ, Rocky Text. I think the whole thing is appalling. Yep. Here's another one. In the long run, rates will rise as all rate payers will have to fund Milwaukee's aging infrastructure. I think that's a very real point. Here's the other big perspective. If you are a community around here and you are negotiating something with the city of Waukesha, the lesson of this week is that what the elected officials say means absolutely nothing. Memorandums of understanding mean absolutely nothing. Now, I understand there, there might not have been a binding contract. They were in the stages of negotiating that. But what's happened is Waukesha, the city of Waukesha, is saying, hey, we don't care how much we've used you. We don't care how much we've relied on you. We feel that we can screw you over at any time if we can find what we perceive to be a better deal. Don't be surprised if dealing with the city of Milwaukee 
doesn't necessarily turn out to be a better deal a couple years ago. But moving forward, who could trust the word of any elected official in Waukesha that had their fingerprints on this? Let's start with Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Jeff, I actually I listen to your show a lot, and I felt sorry for Waukesha years ago because no one wants to give them water, and it's like, that's ridiculous. And then Oak Creek steps up, and I thought, hey, this is really cool, because Milwaukee wants nothing to do with them. And right. then when I heard that yesterday, I was livid. Yeah, it, well, well, exactly. And, and, and Waukesha, and apparently they didn't even tell Oak Creek that they were negotiating behind their back. They've got this memorandum of understanding. And you go to the city of Milwaukee, who's been fighting you on this for years? I mean, there, there is so much about this that just absolutely stinks. Jeff, what changed? I, I don't get it. How can you go from saying absolutely not, nothing, forget you, to, hey, we'll make a deal with you? I don't, well, well, here, no, well, I'll tell you what, ha- what happened is Milwaukee ended up losing. I mean, the, because what happened is the, the Great Lakes... The, the Great Lakes Compact, all the governors, they signed off on this deal that said Waukesha was entitled to get the, the water. So at that point, it all changed. At that point, well, then Milwaukee says, well, they're going to get it anyways. Well, let's come in and let's try to make some money off of this. So despite the fact that they fought them for years, now they want to jump on board and get the dough. And Waukesha decides, okay, the only reason we would have gotten this in the first place. And, and that's what's just the mind-blowing thing. If Oak Creek had not stepped up five years ago and cut a memorandum of understanding, Waukesha would have been completely and totally out of of luck. The only reason they are in a position to do this isn't because of Milwaukee. Milwaukee was fighting them. It's because Oak Creek came to their rescue and they have turned around and they have screwed over the city of Oak Creek in a big, big way. 414-799-1620. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Uh when I first heard this story late yesterday, my first thoughts were one, what suddenly happened to the much promoted agreement with Waukesha? Two, is Tom Barrett reversing his prior opposition to Waukesha's plan because he sees a potential financial gravy train selling water to Waukesha? Well, y- yeah, he he is. I mean they fought it. They they lost uh, they, they lost the opportunity and the idea of trying to block the water. So now I mean I look, I, I understand I give I'm this is not being critical of Barrett. I get what Barrett's doing. Barrett wanted to stop it once he ended up losing that battle. Then he said, okay, well, how can I make some money out of this? My concern is with Waukesha deciding to essentially mess over Oak Creek and do it in this fashion. That's where I think the huge problem is. And again, just moving forward, moving forward, how how could you how could you trust anything that Waukesha is negotiating with you because clearly memorandums of understanding, their word, their promises means absolutely nothing. And that's, that's, I guess, what the larger question is. And I was talking about this with Eric Bilstead earlier. I mean, imagine this is in your personal life. And imagine if, I don't know, you're negotiating, you, you offer a service or a goods, and, and you spend years negotiating with you know somebody that's going to buy your goods or, or buy your services, and you sign a member of understand, understanding, and they string you along, and they string you along, and you go to bat for them. You show up at the Common Council hearings. You show up and say, hey, this is going to be absolutely great. And then when the metal meets the meat, they decide, hey, thanks, we've used you all. Now we're going to turn around, and we're going to go somewhere else. Hmm. I mean, seriously. All right. Seriously. 
Big story number one. I cannot believe that they did this in Waukesha. It's going to be an interesting Saturday. I'm, I'm appearing at this Operation Honor, um, which is a great Veterans Day thing, with the mayor of the city of Waukesha. I, I don't know. If he makes you any promises, I'd say get them in writing, but that's probably not going to help anyways because Oak Creek had this a memorandum of understanding in writing. Tell 1228, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1235, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I love this time slot. Somebody asked me the other day, Gru, who's producing the show, oh, did you, you like going back to where you did the show for 18 years? I said, yes. Yes, I do. I love it. It's trade deadline day in the NFL. Can we expect any moves from Ted Thompson and company? Greg Matzik will go through the day's wheeling and dealing during Sports Central. Tune in to hear Greg's show. It's 6 o'clock this evening. All right. Yesterday was – let me back into this. Okay. As, as a former federal prosecutor, this, this it's amazing to me that this idea of grand jury secrecy – you and it's sort of like the, the with John Doe's in Wisconsin. They were supposed to be secret. Well, of course, you know they leak like sieves. Friday evening, CNN reports Mueller's going to come down with these indictments. So all weekend there is the parlor game: who's going to get indicted, etc. Now, of course, it is a federal crime punishable by up to ten years in prison to leak grand jury secrets. Somebody leaked the fact that there had been an indictment. Um, handed down late last week by a federal grand jury. But, of course, we don't focus on, on things like violations of federal law like that. So on Monday, yesterday, it's unsealed that uh, the former former Trump campaign chairman, a guy who was the campaign chairman for five months, and one of his associates, again, an advisor to Trump, are indicted on on a lengthy indictment. And as we went through it and talked about it yesterday, it, it's serious. It's very serious charges. I, I'm not going to downplay it at all. This Paul Manafort ran a consulting business, did business with the former president of Ukraine. There's nothing illegal about that per se. But if you as an American company, if you're going to do deal with foreign nationals in that fashion, there, there's rules. You've got to register You've got to register him. So he didn't register, and then what he did is he apparently got a ton of money, and they ran it through these offshore companies in an effort to avoid taxes and disclose it. And he's in a lot of trouble, and you know what? He deserves to be. No, no question about it. The indictment, though, has nothing to do, and I'm not being a Trump apologist here, it, it has nothing to do with the Trump campaign. He was, if, if you want to look at, at President Trump, the only question would be, okay, Manafort had been under investigation, I guess, by the FBI since 2014. You know, they've been looking at all sorts of shady dealings, and most of this investigation was done by the U.S. Attorney's Office, and then for a reason I'm not quite clear, got kicked over to the special prosecutor. But this has nothing to do with Russia collusion or anything. This Manafort was a bad actor and a greedy actor, and he'd been doing this for years and years. But he was the Trump campaign chairman for a period of five months, and I guess it raises the question about, gee, you know, didn't Trump pick up the red flags or whatever? But at the same time, you know, the FBI didn't stop the guy from from doing this. And um, but but again, it's the Trump campaign chairman. And all weekend you have the speculation: Oh, is this going to be the the smoking gun and all? And, and no, I mean, I think what's the, the only potential is: Does Manafort, who's been under investigation forever, does he have any information about illegalities committed by members of the Trump campaign that he would be willing to trade in exchange for some leniency? And there doesn't appear to be any indication of that. But at, at this point in time, really no connection. And let's, I, like I say, if you're looking for. Co- 
collusion. This strikes me as being a giant nothing burger. Having said that, though, you know, it it's never, ever good to have your name at the top of a federal indictment. And if you're at the president of the United States, it's never, ever good to have somebody who was intimately involved in your presidential campaign with their name at the top of a federal indictment. And that is starting to show up in in the polls. Um, let's see. NBC News and the Wall Street Journal came out with a, a poll on Sunday evening. And this is before the Manafort indictment had been let out, saying that uh, the president's approval rating was down to 38 percent. Yesterday, before the the impact of this indictment could really be digested, Gallup which does its daily tracking poll, and what they do is they average three days of national polling. Again, this is polling Friday and over the weekend. Um, President Trump's approval rating hit a new low of 33%. 33%. Disapproval, a new high of 62%. And regardless of whether you believe polls and, and whether you believe the reliability of polls, when you see numbers like 38 and, and 33, they, they've got to get your attention. I mean, maybe the pollsters are off, but even if they're off by five or ten points, you, you're still underwater, and the numbers are starting to, uh, I mean, again, get worse. On top of that, you have the announcement yesterday that uh, a volunteer advisor to the Trump campaign entered a guilty plea to lying to the FBI in connection with apparently an effort he was trying to make to hook up Russian officials with the Trump campaign. Didn't go anywhere, um, but he's apparently agreed to cooperate. Uh, I, I don't know how high this guy would get. Again, it doesn't appear that anything ever happened, but you have all this, you know, nipping at the heels of the the Trump administration and the Trump campaign. And even if there's no smoke there, even though there's no fire, or really not too much smoke, and I don't think there there is, you have, you know, bad optics. Again, because Russia, Russia, Russia continues to be in the news. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is big story number two. Can the president survive? Is the Trump presidency in peril? Has the fact that you've got this special prosecutor who's now, again, it appears like it was an old investigation that he inherited from the FBI, but there are indictments of people who have ties to to President Trump. You've got like a low-level volunteer official who apparently, you know, has been convicted of lying. There's people on the periphery. Is this coupled with the fact that you've got the public that has what you would argue, if you believe the polls, kind of a severe crisis of confidence. I guess the issue is, can the Trump presidency survive? 414-799-1620. What do you think? When we come back after the break, I'll share with you my opinion. But I want to hear from you. I mean, is this the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency, or is this just... Uh, another one of these sort of you know minor annoyances that we will eventually move on from and look back two years from now and go, what was all this stuff about the Russia thing? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. It is 1243. This is Jeff Wagner. 
It's 1245. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Hey, if you want to get a head start on some of the things we talk about, including our three big things, follow me on Twitter. It's Jeff at Jeff Wagner 620, and uh, you get a head start on it. Look, I, I, I get I get a text that says, spin it, Jeff, spin it. No, I mean, what, what, there's nothing there's nothing to spin. I mean that the Manafort indictments, as it relates to President Trump, and the Trump campaign is a nothing burger. I'm not suggesting that it is not significant if you are Paul Manafort. And if you are the president, you, you never want to see somebody who, if you're anybody, you never want to see somebody that you hired or that you worked with get indicted. But all I'm saying is that the crimes that this guy is accused of committing don't have anything to do with the Trump campaign or the Trump administration. It was an ongoing scheme that he cooked up and had been running for years. Now, are the optics bad? Yeah. But, again, unless he has some evidence, unless he knows something completely different, there's some criminal activity that he can leverage, uh, in, and I don't think that's the case, there's really nothing to spin here. But it's bad optics. The question becomes, can the president survive? My answer is, it's a bad week for him, but, but yeah, yeah, he can Unless there's something more out there. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're at 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, you know what? I think I think he will survive. Um, I mean, we. I think if we've learned nothing about Trump, it, it, or it, anything about Trump, sorry, yep. is that he's a survivor. That, that's what he's done from the beginning. Um, you know, good or bad, whatever you, whatever you think about Trump, this is... That's what he does, you know. Unless unless this investigation comes out and finds something specific to Donald Trump himself yeah. being in contact with Russians, you know, he he's not going to back down. He's not going anywhere personally. Um, yeah. You know, this these, these, these polls saying you know thirty two percent of people don't like him. I you know that I I don't think he you know he when he was elected I think about that many people you <laughs> know liked him. I don't think you know that's not. I don't think he cares about that. Right. Uh, you know, he, he cares. His constituency is the people that got him elected, right? right? So as long as he keeps, you know, doing what he believes they want him to do, he's going to stick in there until the bitter end. And they're going to have to pull him out screaming and you know, or, or Or, right, or he makes a decision, you know, not to run again, which I think... You know, is yeah, I think it's always really surprised. Really, okay, yeah. That, well, it, that that would be the ego there. I mean, thanks for coming. Right. I see. I could see. I I could do the flip side. I, it, look, here, here is the reality. Uh, unless there is some smoking gun somewhere that nobody seems to believe, or at least that there's been no evidence of so far, what's going to happen is. Uh, the, the only way President Trump gets removed is through an impeachment process. Um, that's not going to happen until after the midterms at the earliest. And then it becomes the question of, okay, does this country, even if the Democrats could somehow retake control of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and you heard it here first, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But even assuming they do, is that how you want to spend the next two years in an effort try to try to impeach the, the president? Is that really going to be good for the country? So I don't think that's going to happen. Now, where I disagree with Ryan is I, I could easily see a scenario where President Trump decides, OK, one term is enough. Who needs this? You declare victory and you move on. But no, I, I don't think yesterday's developments and I don't think the low poll numbers mean the end of the presidency. Rich in Waukesha. Rich on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, I, I believe that it, it's in the ditch and it's going to stay in the ditch. I don't know that 
Um, there'll be impeachment, but when you have uh, when you have polls that are that are at uh, less than forty yeah. percent, awful numbers, it, right? It, it, awful numbers, yeah. There are no there are no coattails for you. Don't have any coattails that anybody wants to grab onto. So mm-hmm. unless you're in a uh, a very 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 safe district, you're just not going to pull many votes. Uh, from people in Congress and Senate to pass any real legislation. Right, right. Ultimately, executive orders are about as good as, as paper towels. Mm-hmm. They're, they're used up and discarded by the next resident. So, and as, as you're seeing now, so you, your, your idea is he survives, but we just kind of limp along for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I don't frankly think, I mean, he's, you know, from a political standpoint, Trump's doing a lot of damage to the Republican Party. So yep. The Democrats... They don't have a strategy. They don't have plans. But, um, you know, they, they've, the Republicans have found an enemy, and it's in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I th- um, Let me just ask this. I think that one of the campaign issues over the course of the next seven or eight, nine months, as the Democrats try to take back the House of Representatives, I think there's going to be Democratic candidates who will run on a platform that says, "We, you elect me and I will vote to impeach President Trump when I get into office in January of 2019. Do you think that would be a winning strategy? Um. I, I think it's a tactic. I don't think it's a strategy. But I will tell you this, though. I, what's important to me is, you know, we have we have uh, survived despots, you know, and, and great leaders before. That the POTUS position is a temp job. Yeah. And what's important is the Constitution, the rule of law, and that oaths of office actually matter. Yeah. I I don't like the uh, you know, and, and frankly. The founders of the country, the, they created the, the, the Constitution, and the First Amendment is the first priority. I don't like all this talk about, you know, we have a plethora of different news sources, and everybody's biased. But you've got to sort through and figure out what's the truth, and I'm glad that we've got somebody looking in, and, and going, hopefully if you root out some bad actors, whether or not it goes all the way to the top in the Oval Office, mm-hmm. Or just inside the White House, or you know, those tentacles could go into Congress too, or anywhere. Um, that puts everybody on notice. I think I hope that corruption will be put on notice for yeah. all the politicians, no matter what side they're on. Right, right. Thanks for calling. I, I, I'm looking at this, and, and and I don't know. I I'm not as against Bob Mueller as a number of people are. I, I do think. You know, there's whole issues with the the way the FBI has handled certain things, and you know, where the cover-ups of the Russian the uranium deal with Russia. We haven't talked about that extensively. Maybe maybe tomorrow or the next day. But but I, I do. I, and the, the Mueller indictments, like I say, the investigation into Manafort was something that he pretty much inherited. The FBI had been investigating Manafort for years. They did the raid, you know, last year. And I I think if you want to fault Trump, the, my one question would be. The word was out that Manafort was kind of a slimy actor. Didn't you vet the guy um, more? But at the same time, I, I don't. Th- th- that to me doesn't reflect on on your ability as a president. And like I say, these charges don't relate at all. As it stands now, I mean, I I think, I mean, I think he survives. But at the same time, 
if, if you're if you're stuck in the 30s with polling, and I, I understand that people are skeptical about pollsters, and I am too, but if you're stuck in the 30s in polls, polling, it's it's tough to advance an aggressive agenda. Um, let's talk to Jerry in South Milwaukee. Jerry, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff. I, I, I don't think it looks good for uh, Donald Trump at all. I, I think there's probably going to be more coming out mm-hmm. about collusion or connections with uh, with Russia and people maybe in his campaign, maybe even him. I mean, when you get in the low 30s, Donald Trump was never a popular president. He was never, you know, really that much of a choice. Of the, the no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, I, I think it... I think President Trump, the Trump presidency, is as much a result of what a horrible candidate Hillary Clinton was as anything right. else. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard for for I, I don't think he could even win in 2020. I mean, we are like in the low 30s now. I could see it getting into the 20s, and this is after just less than a year of him being president, and he's like 33 percent now. I mean, Damn. I think part part of it is his own fault. You know, oh well, he there, tweets what he says. Oh, there, there's there's no question, Jerry. I mean, I mean, I, I've been saying for the longest time, it's you, you've got the substance, but you've got with, and I agree with the substance of a lot of stuff that he, he's done. Certainly not everything, but then you've got the style, you've got the the punching down, you've got the picking fights with the the war widow for what reason? You know, it's, it's that type of stuff that just you know that informs people's opinion of you and makes you you unable to kind of see the issues because you say he he was sending out tweets about the war widow why <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah it, it's just, it's te- it's temperament it's his personality it's not going to change yeah no it, it's no thanks for, no I mean, he, he's 72 years old it's it's you 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 reach a certain point in your life where you are what you are. My producer, Gru, who is a nice young man, you've got the whole world ahead of you. Your personality could be completely different in 20 years. It could go good, could go bad. But, you know, you, you get to a certain point in your life where it is what it is, and, and you can tell. I, I think he, I, I think at this point in time he survives, but I, I do think that the, the administration limps limps ahead. When, when you do have your approval rating, you know, buried in the mid-30s, maybe you don't care, but it, it's tougher it is tougher for the people who support you in in Congress, for example, to take those tough votes because you're not going to have coattails. Then you've got the crazies like the Steve Bannons in the world who are out there trying to purge um, the so-called, quote unquote, establishment Republicans, which means, you know, in many cases, people who they're not part of the, quote unquote, swamp. They're just, you know, mainstream conservative activists who've been fighting the battle for decades, and you've got that civil war brewing, and that doesn't make things any easier either. All right, we've got big story number three coming up in just a couple minutes. And before that, up in Green Bay, really, what were you thinking? It's 1256. 12.59, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big story number three is coming up. All right, just when you thought it couldn't get worse in Milwaukee County, it does. And... What were you thinking up in Green Bay? Seriously, plus, today is Halloween. That means in the 2.30 segment of the program, a special edition. I used to call it Friday afternoon at the movies. We call it Pop Culture Corner. Um, we're going to have a special Halloween theme. Matter of fact, matter of fact, if you want a head start on the scariest haunted house movie ever, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620 I'm sending that out right now. It's 12.59. It's 110, Jeff Wagner, 
620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. Big story number three. Look out if you live in Milwaukee County. Now, Gru, who's producing the program, for the 20-plus years I've done a radio show in this market, I've always been very sensitive to issues in Milwaukee County because I reside in Milwaukee County. Well, now I I, I still have a house in Milwaukee County, but I, I bought a place in Ozaki County now as well. So when we talk about wheel taxes and things like that, well, it doesn't matter as much to me because... Next time I register my car, I, I guarantee you it, it's going to be in Ozaki County. But that doesn't mean that I'm still not sympathetic to the plight of people who live in Milwaukee County. Now, one of the things that the county executive has glommed onto is the idea of imposing a wheel tax. The bus system is failing. And so what he wants to do is impose a wheel tax so people who own cars can pay for riding the bus that they don't ride and can help fund things like the not-so-high-speed rapid transit thing to that will cost an enormous amount of money to get you from downtown out to the medical college seven or eight minutes faster. Big big deal. But anyhow, so, so Chris Abley all in on increasing. Remember last year he came out, he wanted a $60 wheel tax. The county board, the clown car acted as a county board, did residents a favor, they think, by saying, we're only going to give you a $30 wheel tax, but it's still 30 bucks. So you pay $75 to register your car to the state. In Milwaukee County, you pay an extra $30 for the privilege of having your car housed in Milwaukee County. And by the way, as added insult to injury, if you um, live in the city of Milwaukee, you pay Tom Barrett an extra 20 bucks for that. So, you know, you're talking about, well, 75 and 25 is 95, 30, 125 dollars. All right. Chris Abley wants to add another $30 to that, so you would pay $155 a year, all in, all done, for the privilege of having your car in if you live in the city of Milwaukee, it would be that. Um, if you live in Milwaukee County, but not the city, it would be seventy-five and sixty, hundred and thirty-five bucks. For the last person to leave Milwaukee County, please turn out the lights. Well, one of the problems with the wheel tax is that it is a regressive tax. By that I mean it it hits poor people disproportionately because if everybody owns a car, the person that has very little in assets they pay the the wheel tax just like the person who has the, the multimillionaire, I mean, that, that owns a whole bunch of cars, um, you know, they pay the same amount. So into this wades a very liberal state representative, um, David Bowen, former member of the Clown Car Act that is the county board. Um, he, with the backing of county executive Chris Abley, wants to change state law. The way the state law works right now is that state and local registration fees, wheel taxes, must be uniform regardless of how much the vehicles are worth. So you you can't you, you can't charge more for one car than another. A car is a car because the, they they all drive, they all you know use put the same stress on the roadways. You you can't differentiate between the value of the car. So if you're driving a beater, you're paying $30. You know, Abley wants you to pay $60 for a wheel tax. You'd pay the same. That person who drives the beater would pay 60 bucks. The person that drives the, the high-end fill-in-the-blank, you know, Mercedes or whatever, um, they would pay $60. 
Okay, Abley and the, the state representative, the very liberal David Bowen, want to change that. And here's what they want to do. They want to allow a county to set, or a municipality, to set a sliding scale of wheel tax um, based on a number of factors, including the vehicle's value, its weight, its number of axles, or, 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 the owner's income. So let's let's think about this, and let's see how this plays out in the whole world of class warfare. Can you imagine in Milwaukee County the idea saying, okay, we're, we're going to impose a, a wheel tax, but, but here's the deal. If you make less than, say, $30,000 a year, you, you're, you're not going to pay. We're, we're going to exempt you. On the other hand, if you make $200,000 a year, you're, you're all housing cars, but you're going to have to pay, well, $100, $200, $300. Who, who knows? Who knows what in the determination of, in this case, the Milwaukee County Board? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to talk about an, an idea that needs to be killed in the cradle, th- this is that idea. Can you imagine the excesses that will come of this if every one of the politicians and the county board, and we're talking about Milwaukee County Board now, but it could be any county board, together with Chris Abley, if they could sit up and construct ideas saying, okay, who can we stick it to here? I know, you know, we don't think that the wealthier taxpayers pay enough money. So here's what we're going to do. If you drive a car that's uh, retail value is more than $15,000, well, you can afford it, or $20,000, or pick, in the, pick whatever number you want. What we're going to do is we're going to stick you with, you're going to pay $200. And, you know, if you don't, uh, we'll have, if you don't have as much money, you, you, get it on, you get it free. Now, of course, you know, at some point in time, as, as we've always seen, you know, if, if you want support, these can, in fact, be popular because you're sitting there saying, well, gee, if... If I don't, uh, let's say the magic number is fifty thousand um, dollars, I don't, uh, I don't make fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, stick it to those rich people. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is a horrifically bad idea. I think it would open the door to uh, again a type of class warfare that some people want to play but is never, ever, ever good for a community. The one thing, the one thing that keeps spending at least a little bit reined in is the fact when it comes to these wheel taxes, these registration fees, everybody is in the same boat. And let's just raise the more fundamental question. If the idea behind a registration fee is to use it to help, I guess, in in part, pay for the costs of the cars that are on the road, you know, why, why, why do you give a break to the, the person that drives the beater as opposed to the person that's driving the, the Tesla? 414-799-1620 is the number. I think this is a strikingly bad idea that should go nowhere in the state legislature. We discuss next. It's 117. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 120. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, the idea that's being floated in the legislature by a very liberal former member of the county board would allow Milwaukee County or other counties or the city of Milwaukee to impose a wheel tax. 
Now, though, the wheel tax has to be uniform. So every car, doesn't matter whether it's a beater, doesn't matter how much money the person makes, everybody pays the same. We're all in the same leaky boat. This legislation would allow essentially class warfare. They let the municipality, the county board, for example, could say, okay, the person that drive that makes more than $100,000 a year, you're going to pay a $100 wheel tax. The person that makes $25,000, you're not going to pay anything. That, that's what they would do. Or if you drive an expensive car, you pay 100 or 200 or $300. If you drive a beater, no. I mean, do we really want to go down that route? 414-799-1620 is the number. Let's start with Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, um, this is the way I look at it now. They have been trying to impose even car insurance for people, and that's not working. Number two, they impose a wheel tax, which wouldn't they going to pay that when they renew their plates or whatever? Right. You're going to have even that many more people driving around with expired plates. You got a lot of people driving with no insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Where does it end? I mean, you know, like uh, I myself, I can understand the. Uh, what the money is going for, but most of this money is going for a transit system that's failing to start with. Yep. yep. And uh, why should I pay for it if I'm not using it? Well, th- I think that's fair enough. And thanks for calling. And see, I, I think you're onto something, Bob, because if you. If you get to a certain point, first of all, you're right. This idea, to my mind, is completely and totally unenforceable. I mean, what are you going to have to do? Are you going to have to make people, I don't know, submit evidence of their income in order to determine what the registration fee is going to be? I mean, really? I mean, tell me how that is going to work as a practical matter. Now, if you wanted to be fair about this, and, and again, the whole premise behind the, the wheel tax, the registration fee, is to make people pay based on their use. In, in a perfect world, what you would do is you would say, I think every year when you renew your license plates, you have to go in and you have to somehow show how many miles you've driven, and then you pay per mile. That would be the, the fairest way to do it. So the people that are driving and really putting a strain on the roadways by driving 30,000 miles, maybe they pay more then the person who has that second car that's garage that they only take out for a couple times on weekends. That The problem with that, though, is I think it's absolutely unenforceable. But if you're going to have a wheel tax, I think it has to be across the board. And this idea that let's soak it to the evil rich. And, again, I, I don't know what the number would be. So you make more than $75,000 a year. Well, you can pay $150 for your car, your spouse's car, and your kid's car. Well, I, really? Is that what we want? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Lamar, who is calling us from sunny Orlando, Florida. Lamar, good afternoon. Good afternoon, and it is sunny today, Jeff. Thanks, 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 thanks my call. It's 43 uh, degrees and overcast here. <laughs> Ooh, I don't want to tell you it's 76 degrees and sunny. <laughs> sunny down here right now. You didn't uh, want to tell me, but you just did. Thanks, pal. <laughs> I did, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, two quick points, uh, uh, one about the, 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 the tax and one about the, the this, this freeze. Number one, I don't understand why the state doesn't let Milwaukee, you know, raise itself back to pay for its own system because the biggest chunk of the budget that goes in Milwaukee County Transit System Believe it or not, comes from the state. It doesn't come from the local municipality. Mm-hmm. So the county, I think, pays like twelve or fourteen million dollars. The state pays like sixty to eighty million dollars. But that's a whole other point. But um, here in Florida, um, the, your registration fee—it's not equal. It's based on the weight of the car. Right. Um, 
And the, the uh, idea being the heavier cars, the trucks, the SUVs put more strain on the pavement, require, and so th- that would be fair, sure. Right, that, and that to me makes a lot more sense because everything else is just ridiculous. Uh, so if you, and, and I'm not just to, char- to try to charge someone more because they drive, they make more money, or they drive a better car is just flat out silly. The, the, the registration fee goes to pay for maintenance of the roads. Right. The heavier vehicles obviously put more wear and tear, so that makes a lot more sense, and it's a lot more palatable. Right, right, and you can explain it. No, th- Lamar, th- thanks for calling. Thanks for joining us from Orlando. And, and see, and I, I, I agree with that. Plus, how do you calculate? I mean, how do you calculate who's rich and who's poor? What what if you're, okay, do, do you base it on your tax returns? Um, or what What about what about a guy like Chris Abley, for example, who, you know, has all daddy's money? You know, what, what about the people who are, I don't know, what about the retirees who might retire with a couple million dollars in their 401k plans? Um, do you base it on assets? How do you calculate all these different things? Do you really want the Clown Car Act that is the county board making this type of determination? We continue the conversation next. Stick around. It's 125. This is Jeff Wagner. 127, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The wheel registration tax drives me nuts. Have you ever, this is a text, have you ever noticed how many cars without plates or expired tags there are on the road? Let's start ticketing them and collecting the registration fees and see if that makes up uh, for this easy extra $30 from those who do, in fact, follow the rules. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk to Alex in Sheboygan. Alex, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, first-time caller, actually, long-time listener. Glad so to have you with us. Thank your, you. Appreciate it. Hey, my, my thought, I really didn't get upset until you started talking about the sliding fee scale and stuff. Yeah. And how do you how do you push this? But to me, it's a continuation of dependency on government and others. And it really goes down to the liberal agenda. You know, the more people get dependent upon us and the government, the easier it's going to be to control them people. And to me, that's what it's all about. You know, it's... You can't enforce this. I mean, I'm an insurance myself, and it's hard enough to enforce the insurance law. You know, yeah, right, which is a joke for a lot of people, exactly. Absolutely. You know, so, so how are you going to hold these people accountable? I just don't see it. Yeah, that's it. it. So the people that are responsible and the people with money are the people who are going to be paying this stuff. And well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, you're right. I mean, it's going to be guys like you and me and, and other people who who care about things like having insurance and care about making sure that our registrations are up up to date. And, and the people that play by the rules are going to be the ones that, that get messed over, you know, the, the largest. I, I guess when I saw this idea, and again, I, I just, I, I'm against the wheel tax, period. Um, because I, I think that what you need to do is I think there's all sorts of things that could be cut in the county budget without having to impose a second $30 wheel tax a year after the first one went into effect. But, I mean, Chris Abley doesn't want to cut it. But this idea is just disastrous. I mean, this idea is the ultimate class warfare, because I guarantee you, you know, something like this passes the legislature, and you're going to have people at the county board saying, okay, we're going after those evil rich. They can afford it. So if you make $100,000 or more a year, you know, you're going to pay... I don't know, fill in the blank, $100, $200, $300, you know, for registering the same car as a person who makes less than $50,000, well, they might not have to pay any registration fees at all. And that, to me, is just fundamentally wrong, but it's what could come from this legislation, which is why it should go nowhere. The fact that David Bowen supports it and Chris Abley supports it tells you it is a bad idea. I'm sorry, jam phone lines on this, but we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's program, including, 
I don't know, the chief of staff for the president finds himself in the middle of another civil war controversy. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Should medical marijuana be legalized here in the state of Wisconsin? Hear from the state lawmaker who is part of an effort to review the law by getting public input from around the state. He joins Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 420 today. Hey, coming up in about an hour or so, maybe a little bit more than that, we're going to have a special on a Halloween devoted segment. Actually, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Actually sent out a couple tweets with links to couple of those movies if you're looking for a really really scary movie and and tonight's you know you're going to have kind of windy and cold and dark and if you're in the house by yourself and you're you're having trouble you know you 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 think i don't want to sleep tonight i've got a couple suggestions of some movies and i've been sweet tweeting a couple of those out we'll talk about that in a little bit plus um just sent this out on twitter as well what's going on in 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 green bay grew you know you're you're kind of that that's kind of your neck of the woods right you know sort of your grandparents are from Green Bay. Now, I bet your grandparents would not have done this. I, I, I first heard about this when I heard Melissa Barkley talking about it yesterday. And, and, and sure enough, I, I've just sent this out of the tweet. And again, you can you want to keep up on this. Just uh, follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But up, up in Green Bay, I, there, there are some people in Green Bay who must not get out much. That, that, that's and I'm just just saying because they've got Associated Bank has a couple of these these big billboards that that are up one features uh, Jordy Nelson and one features Randall Cobb and and they're these big billboards and, and what they do you know if if you've you know you watch Monday night football or my producer grew went to pro wrestling here you know okay they have smoke machines you know this is not an uncommon thing you know football you know college football games pro football games professional wrestling you name it they have these smoke machines and you kind of you know you run out from the tunnel and there's the smoke machine and people cheer and things like that so there are these two billboards that associated press has up and they've got like fog they've got like fog machines that are built into them and what they do is they they run them apparently before the packers games like the weekends so you've got jordy nelson you know and there, there's the fog is coming out. Okay, so huh, you have a number of people up in Green Bay who you see where I'm going with this. Grew. I, I, I've actually I've got a link to the news story and all this up on Twitter. They see the fog coming out, and these people think that the built they they don't they apparently never seen a fog machine before because if you look at the film of it, it looks like a fog machine. But they become convinced that the billboard is on fire. So the the dispatcher, the nine one one dispatcher, is being swamped with calls from people who are reporting that these billboards are on fire. Um, again, my Twitter thing was for goodness sake, people, have you never seen a smoke machine before? But anyhow, you can check that out as as well. And I, I guess I understand better safe than sorry. What if that billboard really was on fire? Well, okay, I I understand if it was really on fire, you'd want to call the fire department. But um, seriously, seriously. It's just a smoke machine. And by the way, there's no ordinance against this. You can put up a a smoke machine. So dial back the panic, folks. Apparently, they're going to continue this for at least several more weeks, I guess. All right. Kevin Spacey. Do you hear that? They, they've now House of Cards, which is a Netflix series, um, it is apparently they announced yesterday that they were going to Let's back up. Kevin Spacey, Tony Award winning actor, been in all sorts of movies. He's the current star of the Netflix show House of Cards. More on that in just a moment. Um, Over the weekend, Kevin Spacey acknowledges that 
30-some years ago, while intoxicated, he made a pass at a a 14-year-old actor. The guy's now on uh, Star Trek Discovery. He comes out and says, yeah, Kevin Spacey tried to, you know, have his way with me. Um, Kevin Spacey says, yeah, I I did. I'm really sorry about this. I I don't really remember it, but I was drunk, blah 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 And by the way, I'm gay. Well, this has gotten all sorts of attention because the, the, the gay community is just absolutely outraged at Spacey but by, for linking his coming out of the closet, as it were, with the, the fact that he, he's also acknowledging an attempted sexual assault. Because, again, this is, you, you know, the, the one thing, if you want to talk about a lot of people in the gay community, that the thing that they are very, very concerned about is this idea that anybody who happens to be of a certain sexual orientation is automatically a sexual predator, which is not true, of course, but they're concerned about that. So Spacey, by linking these two, plays into every one of those bad stereotypes. So they're outraged at Spacey that he would choose this moment when he's acknowledging that he tried to, you know, sexually assault a 14-year-old boy um, back years and years ago. So the gay community is outraged with him. He, anyways, is the star of House of Cards, which is this political drama on, on Netflix, and it's been very, very successful. And it really was one of the first... You know, Internet streaming shows that that really took off and helped kind of make Netflix. They've just started production of the sixth season. Now, Netflix had announced yesterday that they they weren't going to that this would be the last season. They've announced today that uh, they're they're not they're just going to suspend production. Apparently, it's it's that this is it's not going to happen. Now, it is interesting to me because. What Kevin Spacey acknowledged doing, he was never charged in connection with this. He won't be charged in connection with this. And it's 30 years ago. So it is interesting to me that that you have something that a guy admits he tried to do 30 years ago it is now the basis for the, the TV show being canceled. And you do, I guess, wonder how far this is going to go when it comes to punishing bad behavior and things of the like. At the same time, I mean, I'm not sympathetic to, to Kevin Spacey or Harvey Weinstein or any of these people who've you know, tried to use their power or whatever to you know, take advantage of people. And in the Spacey case, it is particularly creepy because you know, it's a 14-year-old boy. You know, and I'd say the same if it was a 14-year-old girl. It's not the sexual orientation. He's going after a minor, which makes it particularly creepy regardless of what the uh, sexual orientation is. A lot of I've, I've been following on the internet. A lot of House of Cards fans are just apoplectic that the if this is going to end. Uh, this candidly, you know, putting aside Kevin Spacey's issues, this show should have ended several years ago. If you're a regular listener, you know, I I, I watch lots of TV, I watch lots of movies. One of my big beefs with TV programs is that they they go on too long. You know, they, they really have a, a story to tell, and then. They become successful, and after they've really told their story, they continue to to go to move forward um, just because they're they're making money off it. House of Cards um, was based on a, a BBC series that ran for three years back in 1990, based on British Parliament. And I, I highly recommend it. You can pick up the DVDs. It, it's it's great. It's got political intrigue, all those type of things. But it was a three Three ten episode series, I believe, ten episodes in each year, and it, it beginning a middle, a logical endpoint, boom over. Um, I started watching House of Cards when it first came out because there was such a buzz. First season, and and it kind of mirrors the British thing in a way. First season was great. 
I thought the second season was pretty good. First three or four episodes of the third season just stunk, and and I've never watched it since. I have read some of the things online about what's happened, and it just got weirder and weirder and weirder. So, um, Kevin Spacey notwithstanding, this was probably a TV show that deserved to have been interred years ago, which isn't taking away from how good it was in the beginning, but House of Cards fans are all upset. But the bottom line is it's not uh, it's, it's not going to be coming back um, as a result of the allegations about Kevin Spacey. And I, it's going to be interesting to see you know how how far this type of stuff goes. Like I say, this isn't a there's not these aren't criminal charges. This is some somebody thirty years ago who says, hey, you know, he was drunk. He tried to you know fondle me or do whatever, and he says, well, I, I don't remember it, but I, I could very well have done it. So now thirty years later, he, he's losing his gig. Uh, how many more you know dominoes are going to fall in this particular scandal? Okay, when we come back. New controversy involving White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. Some liberal historians, their heads are exploding. Did Kelly make a gaffe? We're going to talk about it. It's 144. It's 146. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Groove is producing the show. Whenever we're looking for a bumper music, uh, you cannot go wrong with Leonard Skinner. And any, you know... You find Skinnerd stuff, it's going to work for me. Open enrollment is about to begin for the Affordable Care Act. There are some changes that you need to know about. Gene Miller is joined by a local health care expert at 821 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. All right. John Kelly is, of course, the new White House Chief of Staff. He was the guy that was brought in after Reince Priebus was kind of shown the door with the idea that it's going to be adult swim. We need a retired general to come in and make the trains run on time and hopefully you know, get people back on message and try to control, I don't know, the lesser angels of the president's nature from time to time. And I think it would be fair to say that there's been kind of a, a mixed reaction. He's done some things that are good. He's done some other things which have created or contributed to some controversy. All right, so yesterday he appears on the new Fox show run by Laura Ingram. And I, I did not see this. I, and I, I, I don't know how Laura Ingram is going to play on, on, a day, on a nightly basis. I, but, you know, I, I don't understand why people watch Rachel Maddow. And so... You know, Laura Ingram, who in short doses I find to be, you know, funny and intelligent and, you know, I, I just, I, in long form, you know, an hour a night, five nights a week, how will she play? I don't know. But anyhow, John Kelly, White House Chief of Staff, he's on the Laura Ingram show yesterday. And they're talking about the story that we discussed yesterday, this, in my opinion, idiotic decision by this church in Alexandria, Virginia, a church where George Washington and Robert E. Lee worshipped, you know, one of the oldest churches in the country. And since 1870, 1870, they've had a plaque on one of the pews acknowledging that George Washington worshipped here. This was the pew that he sat in. How cool is that? And another, they had a plaque uh, directed to Robert E. Lee, again, saying, okay, this was this is where he worshipped, and this was a pew that he sat in. Well, members of the church started saying, well, we've had some visitors here who feel uncomfortable, and so they've announced that they're taking down these plaques. We're going to sanitize history. Robert E. Lee, because he was Confederate general. George Washington, because, ah, first president of this country, 
He was, you know, one of the founding fathers, but of course he owned slaves. So that means that applying 2017 sensibilities to, you know, 1776, well, we can't recognize that this man did all these great things because he was a slave owner. So anyhow, that's the issue that they are talking about. So here's... Here's what John Kelly says to Laura Ingram. And again, they're talking about it, the the removal of these plaques. And they start talking about the plaque devoted to Robert E. Lee. Here's what he says. I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. He was a man that gave up his country to fight for his state, which 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Now it's different today. But the lack of an ability to compromise led to the Civil War, and men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience had them make their stand. Now, Robert E. Lee was at the time immediately before the Civil War, was generally thought of as the United States, that the top general in the United States, when he decided to side with the Confederacy and side with the state of Virginia, that was viewed as a huge blow to the Union. He was the LeBron James. Robert E. Lee was the rock star of of the military at the time. He was LeBron James. He was Aaron Rodgers, whatever. One of probably the, the top general. So that was a blow to the military. So anyhow, you have the, the and he did. He, I mean, he fought against, you know, the Union. You have the chief of staff saying he was an honorable man going through the history. I feel the Civil War was about the lack of the ability to compromise. Men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience had them make their stand. No sooner are the words out of his mouth than then historians, particularly a lot of liberal historians, their heads explode. Um, matter of fact, I texted this out as well. There's a there, there's a, a story in the Washington Post. Um, you have historians saying that this description of the Civil War and Robert E. Lee is strange. It's highly provocative. It's dangerous. It's depressing. Um, the idea that you know Robert E. Lee could be a man of conscience. All right, 414-799-1620. Is this historically ignorant? Was this a gaffe by uh, the, the chief of staff? Should he have gone down this route in the first place? Should he apologize? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss next. But if you're on the line, please hold on. It's 152. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, back in just a moment. It's 154, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let me say this. I, I don't... I don't agree with everything that uh, John Kelly said uh, about the the Civil War. And I I, I certainly, I I think, I I mean, when he says that, you know, Robert E. Lee, an honorable man, I I don't know that that's that controversial necessarily. Um, Lack of ability to compromise led to the Civil War. I I think that there's probably some accuracy in that. I, I understand that by saying what he said, you know, you have some people say, oh, this is just incredibly racist. You don't uh, attribute all of this to the the idea of slavery and things like that. And I, I think that might be fair as well. So I don't necessarily agree with everything the guy said. But at the same time, that this idea that, oh, strange, sad, wrong, you, you can't have that view, I, I don't. 
I don't go that far. I mean, people disagree. Reasonable people disagree on certain things. And I don't think this means makes him a, a racist, even though I don't agree with all his historical interpretations. Mike in, North, in Northwest Milwaukee. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. My, my thoughts are that, you know, that this is going too far. They're trying to eradicate history. Yeah, well, right, right. Basically, basically, you know, this is part of our American history, and I don't think that it's actually wrong to keep it up and uh, have people acknowledge what happened. Well, well, I- I- exactly, and, and judge people on, on their merits. Now, again, I, I think, you know, you, you look back in history, and, and, and the reality is, you know, history is written, history is written by winners, not by, by, by the losers. And, I, I mean, if the Civil War had gone a different direction, I think the interpretations of things would have been different as well. And this is partly the effort that people have to try to racialize everything by saying that anybody who fought for the South as part of the Civil War, well, that must have meant that you were you're obviously a racist and it's a lot more complicated than that i guess i don't see this and like i say i don't even i don't agree necessarily with the spin that he's giving it but i don't think that this is huge gaff david in sturdivant david you're on 620 wtmj yes i, I thank you for taking my call Jeff. Sure. I, you're exactly right on history because i i love history i read a lot about it and i do think what right what he said about lee that Lee honestly thought he was on the right side in his mind. He right. he uh, he was a man, probably was a man of good conscience for his time, and that's and that's yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the important thing for for his time, judged by 2017 right. standards. Yes, he he you know he was fighting to support slavery. Appalling. We all would agree with that. But you know you're talking about exactly it for his time, and you know you had the whole issue of states' rights versus an emerging union. It, I, I think it was probably a difficult time for a lot of people. It, 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 it was. And too many people today think the way they think today, but you have to put yourself back 160 years ago. People thought a lot differently, were educated differently, their, their religious upbringing was different. I mean, it, it was sort of like brainwashing, I guess you want to say it, but it's, it's how they, they thought different than people do today. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I think they should call it. I mean, again, I, I understand it is a conflicted legacy and that reasonable people, including reasonable historians, could look at what he said and say, well, I don't, I don't think he's right. But this reaction, oh, this is a huge gaffe and it's, it, it's sad and it's, you know, terrible. And this is a return to Jim Crow, you know, revisionism and stuff. I think that's reading way too much into this as well. Um, just saying. All right, coming up in a couple minutes, it is a topic near and dear to my heart. People who are, in my opinion, abusing the whole concept of service animals. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It's 2 eight. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. So, as I was saying earlier in the show, go in for my annual physical today. And they and and it, it's actually very good. They, they sit down. The doctor, they, they have a little bit of conversation. They try to find out like what's going on in your life. So Jeff, tell me what's what's going on. Is it so? Well, let's see. Um, I uh, got married, got remarried a little while ago because you know, and the doctor's familiar with the circumstance and you know dealing with um, you know my my late wife and all that. So I said got got remarried and um, in the process of getting the house that I've lived in for thirty years ready to sell, we bought a new house and so I'm kind of shuttling around and moving and doing all this stuff that's going on there and. 
Um, you know, after about nine, ten months, I'm, I'm back at the the other the time slot. I got all this stuff. He says, "Well, boy, you you got a lot of stuff going on." I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Is it stressful?" And I said, "Well, it's nothing that, that's unmanageable." He said, "Well, you know, th- does it make you depressed or anything?" I said, "No, no." I said, I, "I'm just," I said, "No, actually, my my life is really, really good." I mean, I'm just you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it, it's it's really really good. And he said, "Well, okay, like, tell me about like what you do for fun and things like that." And and I, we got around to talking about my my dog. And and I said, "It's just I just I love this I love my little dog." And uh, if you're a regular listener, you know every once in a while we we talk about my dog. And and um, I said, "I just I just love it. It's it's I, I love coming home at night and having this this dog that just loves you unconditionally." And then we started talking about how how pets are important to a lot of people. There's a lot of people just get a lot of satisfaction, love, and affection and from, from their pets. I said, yeah, that, that's exactly it, which leads me to what I want to talk about with you next. I think anybody who is a pet owner would tell you that, you know, there's this I don't know. Jane Matinair always talks about it as being this value of having like an animal spirit around the house, and I, I, I know exactly what it is that that she means. I think anybody who has a pet and cares about the pet, you know, one of the reasons you have it is, hey, that this is this is just great, and you sit there and you you get you get comfort and you get pleasure and you get emotional support and you get all those things from from having your pet. It's why we have pets, whether they're dogs or cats or whatever. There is, however, a special type of of pet, and it, they're actually, it's not even fair to say pets. Th- those, these are service animals. Now, service dogs, and, and service animals are, are limited under the Americans with Disabilities Act to, to dogs. Service dogs are dogs that are trained to perform tasks for a person with a disability. It, it used to be, I mean, it started out with like the seeing eye dogs, people with visual um, and, and then hearing impairments. Um, but now they're also used for people who use wheelchairs or have other problems with mobility. Sometimes people who are prone to seizures. Sometimes people who need to be alerted to medical conditions like low blood sh- uh, sugar, people with autism, etc. Um, right now, there are about 20,000 service dogs that are working in the United States. Um, service dogs, um, are, it takes about, generally speaking, about up to two years to train a service dog. Um, it could cost up to like $40,000. Um, new owners are required to, you know, live at the training center for a week and to learn about their, their dogs. Um, the, the waiting time for a service dog is often two years or longer. And if you've got a service dog, a, a genuine service dog, again, the Americans with Disabilities Act requires all places open to the public, any business, any entertainment venue, any government agency, to give access to the service dogs and their owners. And and you're really only permitted to ask two questions. I mean, one is, is the dog required because of a disability? And then, you know, what tasks is the dog trained to perform? You can't request documentation about the dog. You can't ask about the nature of the owner's disability. You know, you just have to accept that. And typically you will see these service dogs that have the special kind of vests and stuff. And it, it essentially, you know, you, you take the service dog anywhere. And, and, it, and it can be, again, there's very there's limits on on what you can do if you're a business for example and somebody walks in and they've got one of these dogs that have the vest on etc or or even not and they say it's a service dog you're very much limited under the law as to what you can do well here's 
here's the problem. Sometimes what is happening is when it comes to dealing with animals, for example, yesterday I, I had lots of different errands and I'm moving stuff from one house to another. And we had all sorts of activity going on at one of my houses and we're, we're just driving all over. And yesterday I had my dog with me, okay? And it's it's a bit of a pain because, you know, if you're running into places and all, you got to figure out, okay, how am I going to handle this? And can you leave her in the car? And the answer is no. And how long can I leave her here? And all those type of things. It would have been much easier to just have taken her in with me to some of the places I had to go. But but that wasn't happening because, well, the dog, the places don't allow animals and she's not a service dog. Okay, so you, you just deal with that. Well, what is happening is that there are more and more people who are in an effort to pass their dogs off as service dogs. What they're doing is is they're just, you know, they're going on the internet and for 40 bucks they're buying that they're buying the vest that you put service dogs in and they're passing off their dogs as service dogs. And there's a confusion about emotional support dogs which are, you know, pretty much I would argue that any animal could be an emotional support animal because, hey, you feel better when you're hanging out with your pet. But more and more people are are now trying to pass in an effort to try to get around the rules and be able to take their animals anywhere they want. They're trying to say, well, okay, these are these are service dogs. And as a result, you've got the people that have the legitimate service dogs um, they're getting into sometimes problems because you have dogs that aren't trained that are then interacting with the service dogs that are. But it's basically people trying to scam the system, not unlike the people who I don't know. Um, your mom has a disabled parking sticker, and what you do is you you take the parking sticker and you put it in the car and you use it when mom isn't there. That's the best analogy I can give. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am a huge believer in, first of all, the value of having a, an animal. Um, but but the people who are using the misusing these service dogs, who are claiming to have dogs that fit into these capacities or have been trained in this fashion simply because they're, they, they just like to take them with them and they don't want to play by the other rules. To me, that is the same. The same sort of thing as the people who park in the disabled parking spots when they are not entitled to. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Matthew in Fond du Lac. Matthew, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hey, we moved from Wisconsin to Colorado. My son, at the age of one, had a rare form of epilepsy. And we did have a service dog among us or when we got there. And it was a dog town, and it actually would lick his wrist when he was approaching his uh uh, teaser, huh? rather. Okay. And and I do see dogs, especially where it started in Colorado, where the people with apartment complexes would just want a dog and right. they would go through the process of getting the service dog. However, Jeff, on my side, you have to understand that it's very important for us to have these kind of animals, and also for the emotional support that you said for kids that have rare forms of epilepsy. Oh, sure. Debilitated issues like that. Right. That was and, my comment, Jeff. No, uh, no. Well, and I guess Matthew, might, don't take anything I'm saying as being you know against the service dogs. I, I think they play, play a vital role, and I think they're important. What I think is the problem is you now have people who've decided for their own convenience or whatever they're out there scamming the system, and so they're they're taking their dogs 
and they are essentially they're putting him in that vest or whatever. And the, the law, because rightly so, that the law says, hey, if you walk in with a legitimate service dog with your with your child, for example, you know that the business owner isn't able to demand documentation, isn't able to question, you know, whether or not your child is really disabled. There's a lot and, and needs the service dog. There's a lot of people who are scamming the system, and again, they're using their their pets. Um, and passing them off as these service animals. And to me, there is a special place, and you know where, for people who do that. Donna in Greenfield. Donna, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. A couple things. One, I am disabled, and two, I do own dogs. But in the past, my family has actually, and our kids, and my husband, we've trained dogs leader blind. We, you mm-hmm. know, we raised them from a puppy for a year and then had to return them to go you know, get more training to their owners. But we also know people, it's just, you know, we look at them and go, are you serious? And this guy, this a couple had just recently moved to Florida, and they have two tiny little yappy dogs. Sorry, but I like big dogs. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. You know, we call them feed because you feed them to the big dogs. You know? anyway. <laughs> now, you're, don't you be talking about my little dog like that. Okay. <laughs> I know you had one. I had to put that in there. But anyhow, um, he had told us, he goes, oh, yeah, hey, you should should go online and, and get this vest and you can take your dogs anywhere and i'm going are you serious and so i did look it up and sure enough i had heard about it in the past you can do it you can even print out an id but the thing about it is why don't the government crack down on these people mm-hmm. or the ada crack down in dc crack down on these people and demand that if they're going to do this they need to get a hand signed letter validated or notarized or however you want to do it from your physician saying you need to have this right and you can't get a service job because a lot of insurances will pay for it and so will medicare or medicaid whatever but you have to have authorization from right. a physician to get that dog. Right. And, of course, the other problem, Donna, is that there is this confusion between legitimate service dogs and then right. what they call emotional support dogs, which it's a much broader thing, and there's there's some protections for emotional support animals, not just dogs, but animals, which is why people – and you, you, that's why you see the people with the pot-bellied pigs hey, on the airplanes not, and things like that. And then yeah, there's – Dog, every dog, if you think about it, because I'm a dog lover, not a cat lover. You know, your dog, for most people who own them, are emotional support. Absolutely. Time or another. Yeah, well, absolutely. No, no, thanks. That, that's why I was starting this off by saying, you know, when the doctor's saying, oh, you deal with stress. How do you deal with stress? And, well, one of the things is I, I just... I, I just I play with my dog. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things. You know, it's it, it's just this great way of ending up dealing with stress. But it you know the whole then you get into the whole emotional support thing, which isn't protected by the ADA. And then you have these folks who go on the darn internet, and for forty dollars you can find some doctor feel good somewhere, Lord knows where, who will send you a certificate saying it's an emotional support animal because you answer a questionnaire saying, gee, you know, I feel better when I'm with my animal. And then they try to bring these things onto uh, again airplanes and stuff like that you need to crack down on this wendy in milwaukee wendy you're on 620 wtmj hello yes um i have personal experience with this my um nephew is um severely autistic and he has a service dog um therapy dog and yes they are very expensive um we held a fundraiser for him um to get his dog um out of can i say the organization four paws of Four Paws for Ability okay. here in Ohio. Okay. And um, 
you know, my uh, niece and her husband had to go down and train for a week, and it was even more than a week, um, and it has been a life changer for them. Um, uh, my nephew is a runner, so the dog, they are tethered together when they are out in public, and it's amazing. It's just an amazing bond that um, they have, and right. it's disheartening when I see people trying to pass off, you know, right. dogs that are not service dogs. For an example, I was at Summerfest, and there was a guy walking around with his dog. How he got on the grounds is beyond me, but you could tell the dog was clearly um you know, afraid, yeah. and it's loud, and a lot of people, and I right. struck up a conversation with him, and he said it was a service dog, and he's, you know, on his phone trying to look up something to tell me about the service dog. Right. I alerted police, and they escorted him off the ground. Yeah, no, exactly, um, right. It, I mean, thanks, I'm sorry, I'm kind of up against the clock, I apologize, but yeah, it, to me, to me, people who try to pass off animals like this again the analogy is it's people that are parking in the disabled parking spaces and, and you know it, it's difficult and it right rightly the law makes it difficult for businesses and people to check this kind of thing out because you're not you know you're not able to confront people and say what is your disability and you know what what's the training of this dog but we need to figure out a better way because there's people that are abusing it it's 221 this is jeff wagner 224, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTM, Jenner, text line. My wife is a therapist. She has a client who wants her to certify her pet rat as a service animal, all right, or an emotional support animal. Wonderful. Jeff, I saw this at Disney. There was a family holding the puppy's leash. It was jumping all over the place, pulling and tugging on the kids. There is no way that this was a service dog. I thought the dog's behavior was so odd. I pointed it out, thinking these people are scamming the system. Yes, they were. They were scamming the system. They just wanted to take the family pet to, to Disney. Um, I'm not going to read her name, but um, here's a, an email. I'm so glad you're talking about this. I work in corporate housing, and there are breed restrictions at many complexes, also some that don't allow dogs at all. It's so easy to get your dog considered a service dog, and then we have to take them, all breeds. Kicker, I have been told when I say, I'm sorry, this complex doesn't allow pit bulls, well, I'll just pay to have it considered a service dog. It's only like 100 bucks. Great. Soon we will have to allow emotional support boa constrictors. Um, also, we can't require them to pay the cleaning fees associated with having a dog in an apartment, so we end up eating the carpet cleaning, furniture cleaning, and exchange, and even damages. I think that service dogs should be tiered, um, and so it's not so easy to acquire the license. I, I, I just There is a difference between a legitimate service dog and other types of animals that give us all emotional support or make us feel happy. And and I think people that try to scam the system and blur those lines, well, they need to be called out. It's 226. This is Jeff Wagner. 236, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Just a heads up, there's there's some reports of a, of a situation in New York City, and we're working on that. There might be some breaking news coming up in the next few minutes, and when, once we have more information about that, we, we might cut into the program. Obviously, we'll bring that to you as soon as we know more, if it turns out that we know more. All right. Um, th- this is – I would have done this topic last Friday, except I was – on vacation, moving boxes from one place to another. Um, this is, of course, Halloween. And if you are a new, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know I'm a huge movie buff. If you're a new listener to the program, 
I am a huge movie buff. I, I like movies from all different genres, and, and I particularly like movies at different types of different points in the year. As a general rule, I am not a scary movie fan. I, I'm just not, and I, I just for for whatever reasons. You know, just going and, and being creeped out and jumping out of your seats, that, that's not something that entertains me. But, but, but I've watched a lot of scary movies over the years. And to me, if there's ever a night to watch a scary movie, th- this is that night. It is Halloween, the night you can sit down with your significant other or, if you're really brave, sit down by yourself, kind of turn the lights down, put on a couple cameras, and, again, fire cameras, candles, put on a couple cameras, put on a couple candles, and then, you know, just allow the bejeebers to be scared out of you. Now, I sent this out, if you follow me on Twitter, again, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 sent out a couple links to some of the movies that continue to creep me out. For example, um, tonight... If you have Turner Classic uh, movies on either your cable or satellite or whatever, um, at 8.30, they're showing a movie called The Haunting, which is based on a book by Shirley Jackson called The Haunting of Hill House. It is the book. I read the book when I was like 10 or 12 or 13 years old. It it stays with me. This movie, it, you know, it was made in like 1963, so um, it, it's older, it's black and white, but it might be the best, best, best haunted house movie ever. It's kind of a psychological thriller. It was one of these that will keep you awake. I also tweeted out another movie. The It's called The Vanishing. Um, it's a Dutch movie. Don't watch the Hollywood version with Kiefer Sutherland. You're talking about the original movie, 1991. I've got a link to that on Twitter as well. Um, the last five minutes will keep you, the last five minutes of that movie haunt me to this day. But I thought with Halloween coming up, let's have a little bit of fun in this segment of the program. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Okay, if you can only watch one movie on Halloween that's just going to creep you out or scare you, what is that movie? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to take your calls in just a moment. And again, um, we're aware of the, perhaps a breaking news situation as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the movie that creeps you out the most. We discuss next. It's 239. Okay, 242, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, this is um, very early stages. We will continue to you know monitor this and bring you additional updates to determine what exactly is going on, if anything, in New York. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is Halloween night. Right now, we're talking about scary movies. Our phone lines are open at one movie that you can watch that would really, in fact, creep you out. Like I say, I sent out a couple of them. Let me catch up on the breaks. We'll be back with the calls in just a minute. If you're on the line, hold on. 242, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 246, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And once again, once we learn more details about what happen in New York. We will continue to bring it to you. Let's start with Todd in New Berlin. Todd, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, that movie that's going to just like keep you awake at night? Yeah, it's The Exorcist. Saw it when I was about 
maybe in fourth grade, fifth grade, it, it kept me from sleeping for months as a kid. Um, yeah. Did you see it when it first came out in the theaters, or are you, are you too young for that? Too young for that. Saw it on VHS. I'm, I'm, I'm 40, so I saw it oh, yeah. a handful of years ago, but I uh, watched it with my older sister. She had a couple years on me, so my parents thought it was acceptable for her to watch, <laughs> not me. I stayed up too late. I watched it. I, I, I regret it. It was, it was just horrifying for me. I, it, well, and I've never seen it since. I, I've never had... Uh, any inclination to turn it on when it's been on TV or rent it ever again? It's just it was just it just numbed me. Well, you know, I mean, thank, thanks for calling. It, it's interesting. I was in, oh gosh, I, I forgot to think of when that first came out. Mid seventies, I think. And, and I, I mean, I that created a national stir. I, I mean, I mean, it was you had lines around the block to see that movie, and then there were all these reports of you know demonic possession and things like that. It was. Um, it was one of these movies where, it, again, it's 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 just incredibly powerful to watch. And, I mean, that's clearly one of those movies where um, you, you see it and it stays with you. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, that scary movie, You're Home Alone Tonight. It's really, really dark. And for whatever reason, you decide that you want to creep yourself out. What's the movie that you go to? Let's talk to Harry in New Berlin. Harry, you're on 620 WTMJ. The movie Seven with Morgan Freeman. Uh yes, that's a that's another one that just stays with you after you watch it. I can watch it, but my wife says no way she will have. <laughs> um, she will not be able to sleep for a couple days. <laughs> so, so in other words, if you're going to be watching that on Halloween, you're going to be watching it yourself on Halloween. If Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, there is something to be said about that. No question at all. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, scary movies. Now, like I say, I, a couple of the ones that I sent out on Twitter, um, and, and they're not they're, they're not the, the modern things where you've got a lot of the blood and the gore and all, but they're movies that kind of stay with you. Like I say, tonight, 8.30 at night, if you've got Turner Classic mu- Movies, TCM, um, it, it's a movie called The Haunting. It, it's the original 1963 version of that movie. They, they did a remake um, in the 90s or something. This is not the remake. This is this is the original movie. It By, by modern standards, it might be slow. I mean, I acknowledge that. But it's the psychological, it, it's to me one of the best haunted house movies, maybe the greatest haunted house movie ever. And if you couple that with reading the book, The Haunting of Hill House, it will stay with you forever. The other movie that I tweeted out about is, is a movie called The Vanishing, um, which is the, the last five minutes of that movie. I get, And I'm talking about not the Hollywood version of it, but the original movie, it's got subtitles. I understand it's subtitles, but it, it's made, it's, it's a Dutch movie. The last five minutes of that movie are as terrifying as you will ever, ever, ever see. So you might, I, I've recommended that to people, and they'd say, well, it was just kind of slow, and it's this guy, his, his girlfriend disappears, and the movie's about him trying to find her, and, you know, what's the big deal? And then you see the last five minutes, and it stays with you forever. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Susie in Milwaukee. Susie, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Susie. So, um, I agree with everybody about um, uh, about The Exorcist, but what scares the absolute living daylights out of me as a kid 
was every day when I would come home from school, dark shadows. <laughs> the old soap opera with uh, yeah. Barnabas Barnabas yeah. Collins with Jonathan. I, this this again shows the weird way my mind works. Jonathan Frid for Fried yeah. or however you pronounce it was the 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 guy that played the vampire. Sure. Yes, yeah. and it was more. There wasn't any blood and guts. It was more the music mm-hmm. and um, just oh my god! And my mother would forbid me from watching it, but I still had to watch it. Right and. Didn't sleep for days and days. The um, you know, the interesting thing about that is, a, a number of years ago, they were rerunning that on on one of the you know obscure cable channels and things like that. And I I, I started watching it, and I, I my recollection, Susie, is exactly what yours is. But now now you watch it today, and you look and think, boy, that was really kind of cheesy, <laughs> you know, like cardboard sets and stuff. But back in the day, I remember coming home after school, and it would scare you. Yep, yeah, absolutely. No, Dark Shadows, the TV show, 414-799-1620. Dan in Muskego. Dan, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, afternoon. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I'm going to watch a scary movie tonight. All right, you should watch Salem Lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, witches. That vampire movies yep. scared me so bad. I mean, I tell you, when they had those kids that were turning into vampires and they're scratching at the window, the one kid's name is Danny. And <laughs> my parents called me Danny from time to time, and it just... Yeah, never let me sleep from that point out. It, it, it see the thanks that's see that's the that's the thing about the the these movies. Um, I, I guess I'm not big into slasher movies, and, and there was that whole genre. But I remember like the original Halloween. I'm talking about the original one with Jamie Lee Curtis and stuff. I remember seeing that in a movie theater when it first came out, and. That was, in many respects, it was a great, even though it was a slasher movie, it was a great movie to take a date to because, I mean, they'd be, you know, your your, your girlfriend, your your date, I mean, you could just, the, the, the finger marks would be in your arm as these various things, you know, it's it was something that you, you got to cuddle a little bit. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lois in Greendale. Hi, Lois, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, hello. Hi. Uh, House of Wax with Vincent Price. I was a kid. Ooh, you are going right. That's the, all those Vincent Price movies, sure. Oh, you said it. And um, Charles Bronson was Igor. It was probably his first movie he was ever in. <laughs> Charles Bronson was Igor? I, huh. He was Igor, and I never slept for My mother had to sleep with me. Oh, it was really spooky. <laughs> well, that's, that's the fun thing about these. Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Todd in Green Bay. Todd, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. Your movie? Big Mata. Oh, that's a creepy one. That's it's another one that's going to stay with oh, you. Yeah. That, if you believe in heaven and hell, you watch that, forget it. You won't sleep for a week. <laughs> well, that's... You won't sleep. You won't. You, know, you, only, you don't even close your eyes. Yeah, that's, and see, and that's the... Thanks for calling. That, that's what makes, that was, that's what makes a, a great horror movie. I've... I, I I've only seen about half of Stigmata, and then um, but but yeah, that's that's another one that will get your attention. Let's talk to Greg in Hales Corners. Greg, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a toss up between two: Rosemary's Baby or Burnt Offering. Let's go. Let's go with Rosemary's Baby because that's another one that just um, the, the last five minutes of that movie too stays with you your entire life. Absolutely. Yeah, um, with Mia. Fa- I mean, thanks for going with with Mia Farrow, and of course that's the infamous Roman Polanski. But uh, if you've never seen Rosemary's Baby, and again, see part of it, I, I'm trying not to be generational here, but but 
the, some of the movies we're talking about from the 60s and 70s and the 80s, they are, they're slower now than, than perhaps modern standards because now you have some of the horror movies that are out there and it's just there's blood all over and it, it's just one thing a minute. Some of these others are, are kind of slow boilers, but at the same time, they're, they're still outstanding. Let's talk to Chris in Kewaskum. Chris, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Uh my movie is The Omen. My uh, stepdad took me to see it when I was really young. And oh, you're talking about the original one with Gregory Peck. The original yeah. one with Lee Remick right. and Gregory Peck. Right. Yeah, my stepdad took me to it when I was younger, and just that nanny with the looks that <laughs> she had and the dogs yeah. and all the cemetery scenes. Yeah, it, right. And if there was ever, I mean, thanks to if 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 anybody was ever thinking about naming their kid Damien after after the Omen, that that name's popularity just kind of uh, plunged. Brian in Franklin, Brian, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Jeff? I am well, thank you. I love talking about Halloween movies, <laughs> especially at <laughs> Halloween. Right? Do you remember uh, the original Amityville Horror? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Another great haunted house creepy. movie. <laughs> yep. And uh, do you remember a show from way, way back when, uh, The Night Stalker? Oh, with Darren McGavin. Yeah, yeah sure. Exactly. Yeah, Right, yeah. Okay. It, no, I, right, thank, right. I remember, I remember that was, that was like a made-for-TV movie originally where he played a reporter. See, I would have done much better in law school if I concentrated more on that stuff and less on this stuff. But, yeah, he played a reporter, and there was a vampire, and then that turned into a, a series. Yeah, I remember that. The Amityville Horror, of course, that's based, I say in quotation marks, on a true story, and th- that house was just up for sale not that long ago. Okay, let's let's see. Uh, the Order, um, Pet Cemetery, Halloween, Cape Fear. Like I say, lots of great stuff that's out there. If you're looking for, again, a slow boiler tonight and at uh, eight thirty at night, the the the, um, the haunting, the original. It, it's a black and white one, but it's very very creepy. Guarantee it will keep you up this evening. But if you if you're sitting at home and you're looking for some fun, it's Halloween night. Allow yourself to be scared. All right, something that's not scary. John McCure in next with Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. It's 257.